Hello and welcome back to Have You Seen It? I'm Maggie, and in this episode, I have a Nordic noir from Iceland to tell you about. Are you ready? Let's go. Before we jump into today's episode, the podcast has gotten a couple more listeners recently, so I just want to say, if you guys have any suggestions for any shows that you think I should watch, then you can email me at haveyouseenit1 at gmail.com or DM me on Twitter or Instagram. The handle for both of those platforms are officialHYSI. I have gotten some suggestions from some different people. I will definitely watch those shows and cover them after I cover a show from all of the different countries available right now. And of course, I will shout you out in the episode. Those will be coming next season. There are nine more episodes after this, all from new countries that I haven't covered yet. So in the third season, that's when I will start covering other shows from countries that I've already covered. Obviously, that's pretty far away, but I just wanted to say that for all the new listeners. Also, if you want to know what show I will be covering next week, stick around to the end where every week I end with the name of the show that is the subject of next week's episode. So let's jump into this week's episode, shall we? This week, it is all about the show The Valhalla Murders from Iceland. It is a True North mystery RUV in Netflix production. It was originally aired on RUV in Iceland, and it is available on Netflix. There is one season with eight episodes, and they're all about 45 minutes long. It takes place in the capital of Iceland, Reykjavik. Iceland is a Nordic island in Europe located in the North Atlantic Ocean. It doesn't have any land borders, and it's separated from Greenland to the west by the Denmark Strait. The Norwegian Sea separates it from Norway to the east, and the Atlantic Ocean separates it from Ireland and the UK to the southeast. The closest show to where this one takes place is Norseman from Norway, that takes place in Norheim, Norway. The other two shows that are close are the Irish show Rebellion, which takes place in Dublin, Ireland, and the other is the British comedy Man Like Mobeen, which takes place in Small Heath, Birmingham, UK. I will be posting the map so you can see where those shows are. Some fun facts about Iceland are more than 60% of the total population of Iceland live in the capital city. Reykjavik is also the most northern capital in the world. Iceland was the last place on earth to be settled by humans. Over a thousand years ago, Norwegian Vikings discovered Iceland by accident. Iceland has the longest work week in Europe, with the average Icelander working 45 hours a week. You can see the northern lights in Iceland from September to March, and I would absolutely love to be able to go and see them. But the fact that there are over 30 active volcanic systems in Iceland makes me think that the lights probably look just as nice in Finland. And as far as I can tell online, there are zero active volcanoes in Finland, so I'll probably play it safe and go to Finland. The final fun fact is that Icelandic is the closest language spoken today to Old Norse, which is the language that the Vikings spoke. So when you watch shows like The Vikings on the History Channel, in the scenes where the Vikings are speaking Old Norse, the actors are actually speaking Icelandic. They speak mainly Icelandic in this show, but there is some English and German as well. Audio alternatives are in German, English, Spanish, French, and audio description in Icelandic, and subtitles are available in English, closed caption English, Spanish, simplified Chinese, traditional Chinese, and closed caption Icelandic. And as always, if you want there to be subtitles when they speak English, make sure it is on closed caption English and not just English. The show is rated TVMA. 
And the disclaimers that Netflix gives are nudity, language, and smoking. I would add that there is suicide in this show. Netflix usually puts that in, so I'm surprised that they didn't. You do see the body, and it is it is really hard. It was definitely shocking when I watched the show, so I wanted to make sure because I know that's a trigger for a lot of people, so I will just be aware when you watch the show that that is there. There's also a sex scene in the first episode. You don't see anything, but it is a sex scene, so I'm surprised again that they didn't mention that. It's not just nudity. Um, and there's someone that throws up in the show. I know that isn't a real disclaimer, but I hate throw up, and I'm sure there are other people that would like to know that, that it happens, so you do. You see them, someone throw up. The links to all the websites where I got the information for this show, the fun facts, and any other information that I did not use my memory for are going to be linked in the description of the episode as well as in the caption for the post that I made for the show on Instagram. Do you have an insatiable craving for a sweet, sweet podcast where you can listen to discussion on everything from music, TV and games, to politics, space, sports, and so much more. Do you like off-the-wall conversations and the most amazing segments with just the right amount of crazy? Well, you're in luck. Welcome to the place where three cool cats from Canada... Throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Send us your thoughts and comments on our social media pages. And be sure to hit that like or follow button. Check us out at our website at www.seewhatsticks.net and give us suggestions for content you want us to discuss on the show. And any ideas you have for lightning round trivia, what's weird in the world today, and would you rather? Until next time, Splat Nation. For the cast, there aren't a lot of people to go over. The two main characters are Kata, who is played by Nina Dog Phillips' daughter, and she is a police detective in the criminal investigations department. She is described as ambitious but frustrated in the summary of the first episode. She is very good at her job, and at the beginning of the show, she is up for a promotion, which she absolutely 100% deserves. The other main character is Arnar. He is originally from Iceland but works in Oslo, Norway and is brought in to help with the case because of the severity. It does get pretty gruesome, but he doesn't want to be back in Iceland and his plan is to go back to Norway as soon as he can and that's because of his past. You have to watch the show to find out why. I'm not going to go into it, but he and Katha do work together on this case. He is played by Bjorn Thors. Some other characters that I will mention are Magnus, he is Katha's boss, and he is the commissioner, and he supervises the case after it gets a little bit more complicated, and he is played by Sigurdor Skullison. Another character is Erlinger, he is, I think, the tech specialist. I don't know if they say exactly what his title is, but I'm gonna guess that's what he is. He helps Kata with the case by looking over the security camera footage and other ways that are like technology-based things, so I'm gonna call him the tech specialist. And he is played by Berger Ebi Benedictsson. And then we have Hogran, who is played by Ardenis Ron Elge's daughter. She works in forensic. And the last detective that I'll mention is Helga. She is played by Tina Raffin's daughter. And Helga is another detective that is supposed to help Kata, but is working on her own cold case and says that she can't help, but Magnus tells her that until something new pops up on her case, she's going to help Kata and she is not happy about it. And before I get to the last character, I do want to say that there are two officers from General, so uniformed cops, that help Kata and Arnar with the case, and they are Disa and Toti. I couldn't find the names of the actors, but I do want to mention them because they do help them out, so 
The last character I want to add is Selma, and she is the news reporter that we see when Kata first arrives at the first crime scene, and she's played by Anna Gundis Goodman's daughter. But that's the cast that I can talk about and mention without spoiling anything. So now for the plot. The description that Netflix gives for the show is, An Oslo detective with a painful past returns to his native Iceland to help a dedicated cop hunt a serial killer with a link to a mysterious photo. It's your standard crime drama description, so, you know, it is what it is. The show actually opens up with Kata in a sticky situation that actually happens later in the show. If you want to see exactly what she's dealing with, you can watch the first minute of the show. If you want it to make sense, then you can watch the whole show. But after we see her, and you can't really see a lot, it is pretty dark, it jumps back 12 days. And it jumps right to two people having sex in a bathroom at a restaurant slash bar type thing. And they're both clearly drunk, having a good time. And when they make their way back to the bar, the man's name is Thor. He gets a call on his phone and it's his ex-wife. And we don't hear her on the phone, but we can tell from what he's saying that they clearly do not have a great relationship. And that phone call kills whatever post-sex alcohol-induced buzz that he had before she called. And Iris, the woman he is with, and I believe dating, comes up to him and says to not let it ruin their night, and he walks away. And then we see him out having a cigarette on a pier, and he's relieving himself when you hear someone behind him, and he thinks it's Iris, so he's apologizing to her for picking up the phone and walking away and kind of ruining the night. And when he turns around, he sees that it's not Iris, and then we see them get into a scuffle. And Thor falls to the ground, and the other person gets on top of him and starts punching him a couple of times. And they're still struggling back and forth when it goes to the title screen. There is no intro for the show, it's just the title screen. So after the title screen, we meet Kata. She is swimming in a pool. And then as she finishes, we see her arrive back home, and she's met by her ex-husband who wants to talk to her about their son. And let me just say that one, this show is taking place during the winter and she was doing laps in an outside pool, which must have been freezing. It looks weirdly refreshing. Like, I don't know why, but like, I was like, I wanted to jump in the pool. But the scene of her in the car, like driving like that shot with the city covered in snow was absolutely beautiful. And I just wanted to mention that before I forgot, but yeah, it was absolutely beautiful. But after they talk about meeting up to talk about their son, about his behavior, we see Kata arrive at the pier where Thor was killed. And there's something particular about what the killer did after Thor was dead that really stands out. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I don't think they tell you in the trailer. If you go and watch that on Netflix, I don't think they tell you. This is also the first time that we're meeting Hugrun as well. She, Like I said, she's forensic, so she's there at the scene. And at first they don't know who he is because he doesn't have any ID on him. His wallet is gone. And then Kata sees a tattoo on his hand and she immediately knows who he is, which leads them to Iris. After they find Iris, which, you know, is a little bit of a scuffle, we see Kata back at the station, and this is when we meet Magnus. He asks Kata if she had time to talk to Iris, and she said no because she's not in the right state for her to question her. She's either still drunk or hungover, potentially still high. Like, Kata's like, she needs to chill out before I go in and talk to her. And then she tells him that she needs help with the case, which usually doesn't happen in these types of shows with like, a good detective. They usually say the they can handle it on their own or they resist help at all costs so to see her ask for help at the very beginning was very refreshing 
but Magnus says that Helga and Erlinger are going to be the ones that are going to help her go through the security camera footage that they collected, and Katha's like, great, thanks, again, refreshing. But Helga isn't willing to work together. She's working a 30-year-old cold case and is hoping to get some information on a necklace and a lighter that they released to the press, and Magnus says that the current case takes priority over the cold case, like I mentioned, going over the cast, and that until they get some new information, she will help Katha. And unlike Katha, Helga is not happy about helping Katha. She's not as much of a team player. Now, from there, we see Kata start to work the case, so I'm not going to go too into that. You can watch the show to see how she does that. And we don't actually meet Arnar until the second episode. We find out that they're bringing in help from Norway at the end of the first, because of something else that happens at the end of the first episode. But we see him right at the beginning of the second episode when Magnus picks him up at the airport, and we discover pretty quickly that they know each other already. When they're in the car, Magnus mentions that his wife wants Arnar to come over for dinner. Arnar doesn't seem as thrilled about the idea, and I'm not going to go too in-depth about Arnar and Magnus' relationship, nor am I going to go into why Arnar is not happy about being back in Iceland, what secrets he holds, or... I don't know if they're secrets, but they're more like just facts about himself that he holds close to his chest. You can watch the show if you want to know all about Arnar. And let me tell you, it's a lot deeper than I thought. A lot deeper. Everything about this show is a lot deeper than I thought. There's so much that goes on in this show. Like, both main characters, Kata and Arnar, have deep, complicated stories. They both have a lot to overcome and deal with while trying to solve what is probably the hardest case in Icelandic history. But with every episode, the case just gets deeper and deeper. And where it ends is almost nowhere near where it starts. Like, the first episode, it seems like it's this one-off kill. Definitely a personal kill because of what the murderer does to Thor after he's dead but maybe just like a, a vengeance like revenge or something like that and by the end of it you're like holy shit <laughs> like wow um, it's so crazy like that stuff like this not the murder necessarily but the other stuff that happens in the show happens in real life like that's absolutely wild to me it's so deep and it's so complicated and there's so many different moving parts in this show that one you don't really know who you can trust and you don't really know where it's going next. It's definitely one of those shows that just keeps you hooked throughout the entire thing. And it's a really, really good show to watch at night with the lights off. Like in bed or whatever, like on the couch. Just because it, it helps like feed the ambiance, I guess, of the show. But it was, it was so good. It's so deep. This is another show that I can't really give you away a lot of spoilers. The first time we meet the two uniform cops, they are with Kata as they find Iris who else do we meet? Like I mentioned, we meet Selma, the journalist, at the beginning when Kata arrives on scene. Her camera guy is actually on the other side of the tape, and Kata kind of gives him a hard time at first. And then Selma's like, she's joking, relax. And then she's like, do you have any information? She's like, you know, I can't give that to you, Selma, and then walks away. And then Selma's at the press conference, because there is a press conference because of how brutal the murder is. And she's like, is there a serial killer? Like, what happened to, like, the, you know, spoiler I can't say. And they're like, how does she know this information? Who told her this information? Usually, same stuff, right? That happens all the time here. Where it's like, who leaked it to the press? Don't the press realize they're jeopardizing the case by revealing that information? Like, there are some things that cops don't like to reveal to the public so that when they do find the actual killer and that bit of information that they haven't released is mentioned, they're like, ah, we got him. Or, no, this isn't our guy. You know, stuff like that. So Selma definitely plays a role in the show. But uh, Disa and Tati, the uniformed officers, they're really there just to help. I, they don't have, like, their own stories or anything. But, I, like I said, they do help, so I do want to mention them. 
that's it for the plot. I know it's not a lot. This is another episode. I can't really go too far in depth about. Again, if you guys are okay with me going in a little bit more in depth, then definitely let me know. Email me, tweet me, DM me on Instagram. Like, I don't want to give too much, but if you guys ask for more, then I will absolutely give you some more information about the show. I personally just don't like spoilers, so I like to avoid them. But if you guys are cool with them, then let me know. Hello, lovely listeners. Buenos dias. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Have You Seen It? C'est très bien. Oh, Chris has been insufferable using phrases from all the international TV he's been watching recently. You assisted tantos. So if you want something to listen to while your other half watches series after series... Morto, morto, morto. Then give the Rank Bank podcast a try. Each week, we have two guests... Four great games and loads of fun and laughs. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or on Twitter at RankBankPod. We hope you enjoy the RankBank podcast as much as you enjoy the wonderful Have You Seen It? Tuck. Oh, stop it, Chris. Head shoulder dog. So for my likes and dislikes, as a fan of crime dramas and Nordic noirs, I loved the show. The crime in this show is based on a real crime, sort of. The original crime did not involve murder, but it did involve what happens in the show. I'm not going to say what happens because that spoils the show, but just know that it is inspired by something that actually happened in Iceland over 30 years ago, minus the murder. So, there was no serial killer, but the crimes that led to the serial killer committing these murders did actually happen. But the way that the plot unfolds and gets more and more complicated as the show goes on kept me entertained throughout the whole thing. Like, I really enjoyed not being able to guess how a show is going to end right away in episode one. Like, let's be honest. If you watch enough of these crime shows, no matter what country they're from or what language they're spoken in, you get really good at guessing that the husband did it. Right? Like, everybody knows that the husband did it. Because nine out of ten times, the husband actually did it. Like, you get really good at figuring things out. And for this show, I definitely had, like, suspicions. In no way did I guess the outcome in episode one. And, like, those types of shows that literally keep me guessing the entire time, I love them. So, this show was really, really good with that. There wasn't really anything about this show that I didn't like. The moment I saw it pop up on the What's New part of Netflix, I knew I was going to watch it. At first I thought it was maybe from Finland or Norway, but seeing it was from Iceland made me super happy because it was the first Icelandic show that I saw on Netflix. I think it's the only Icelandic show that I've seen on Netflix, so if you know any other Icelandic shows on Netflix, definitely send them my way. And I was happy that the crime was different than something I've seen before. Again, a lot of these crime shows can be very, very redundant with crimes happening in similar ways, and it's kind of like, well, how are you going to put a new spin on this? This was something completely new. So overall, I really enjoyed the show. And like I said, I legit can't think of anything bad. I thought the acting was good. Maybe some of the secondary actors or background people weren't the best, but that's in every show. And there was nothing that was so bad that I remember being like, oh, Jesus. Like next week's episode, there was a lot of times where I was like, oh my God, this is so bad. In this show, I don't remember saying it at all. The thing I will say that I like the most about the show is something that I mentioned earlier, and it's that Kata wasn't a selfish, egotistical detective like we see in so many of these shows. She wasn't a loner. She was definitely a team player, even if she didn't want to be because she felt her abilities were being questioned, and as like a human being, there are times where you just would rather do things by yourself. But she was tough when she needed to be and showed compassion when she had to. 
Even when things in her personal life and her professional life aren't really going the way that she thought they would, she does her job to the best of her ability. And she doesn't always make the right decision, but she does do what she thinks is, is the right thing to do. And I think in shows like this, she doesn't think of herself first, even though there are times where I'm like, I would not blame her for doing so. Especially when, I, like I said, things don't really go her way, whether it be at home or at work. But yet she still always did what she had to do to get the job done the right way. And I really, really enjoyed that. Um, as far as things that stood out to me, there were a few things that stood out while watching the show. The first one that I want to talk about is the last name system that they have. You probably noticed it while I was going over the cast. Maybe you didn't because I don't know how well I actually pronounced those names. I tried my hardest, but these were definitely some of the hardest names to pronounce. Uh, most of the men, minus Bjorn Thor's last names, ended in son, and the woman's all ended in daughter. That's because their last names are typically their father's first name plus son or daughter, spelled D-O-T-T-I-R, depending on the gender of the child. This system is called patronymic, and in some cases the last name can be matronymic, meaning their last names are derived from their mother's name, like if it's a single mother. I would be Maggie Ellen's daughter, right? But what this means is that the children in a family do not have the same last name as their parents, and brothers and sisters don't have the same last name either. So, for example, Nina Dog Phillips' daughter, her father's first name is Phillips, his last name is Arneson, and if she has a brother, I don't know if she does, her Wikipedia doesn't say if she does or not, but if she does, his last name would be Philip's son. This style of naming is not uncommon because we do have names like Johansson, Bundersen, Carlson, and Christensen, which are all Scandinavian surnames that all mean son of Johan, son of Bunder, son of Carl, and son of Christian, respectfully. And in Ireland, you have names like McCarthy, which means son of Karak. In Arab culture, the child gains the name of their father and grandfather. They don't say son of or daughter of, but it is implied. So I would be Margaret Robert Henry. Robert is not a middle name. It's part of the last name, but it is a way to identify who you're talking to. So the style of naming children after their fathers is not unique to Iceland, but the fact that they still use this particular naming system is. At some point in Scandinavia, Ireland, Scotland, and other similar places, they stopped naming their children after their fathers and went with family names. I'm not sure about everywhere else in the world. I think from watching Justice from the United Arab Emirates, they may still use the naming system of having their father and their grandfather's name as their surnames. Because I do remember at some point, Farah says her name, and Mr. Hassan, his first name is her middle name. And I can't think of what his first name is right now. But it's Fada, his first name, Hassan. And I think Hassan is his father's name. So I think they still do that in the United Arab Emirates. I'm not 100% confident on that. I'm also not 100% sure why this stopped with, you know, McCarthy and stuff like that. Like, why it stopped in Scandinavia and in Ireland. Definitely here in the States, it's not used at all here. But if I had to guess, it would probably be because of confusion. With the increase of population around the world, I'm sure it got super confusing trying to figure out exactly what Peter Johnson you're looking for when there's like 20 of them in the same town. I know in Iceland they have the phone book listed alphabetically by first name, and they have the person's occupation listed next to the name. So that helps narrow down which Sarah Eric's daughter you're looking for when you know you're looking for someone with that name. That's a doctor. And I wanted to mention this naming system because I actually like looked into it probably like a year or so ago when I heard about Sarah Sigmund's daughter, the CrossFitter, 
and I kept kind of thinking like why do they keep calling her Saturn Sigmund's daughter like who's Sigmund like why is he this big CrossFit guy that I don't know and then I was like wow you're the biggest idiot in the entire world her last name is Sigmund's daughter you oh my god so I looked into it a lot then so like now that I found an Icelandic show I was like oh my god I can talk about the naming system so I think it's fascinating I I genuinely think it's fascinating obviously we have family names here in the U.S. so the fact that Iceland is still using this naming system, like I said, is unique. Another thing that stood out was during one of the scenes, Arnar asks if the local police are sending any of their men up to the Valhalla's boy home, which is where they get the name of the show, the Valhalla Murders. That's probably a little bit of a spoiler for you or linking it together for you, but the guy goes, no, that's too far away for the first round of searches. And then Kata asks how far away it was. And he goes a half an hour. Is is that a far drive where you guys live? Because I drive 30 minutes to and from work five days a week. Like a far drive for me that makes me question whether it's worth it would be like two hours, hour and a half maybe. But like 30 minutes, to me, that's a quick drive. Like that's not even a drive where I can like settle in and really start listening to my music and like enjoy it. Like that's a drive where I'm like, I hope I hit a couple red lights so I can really like draw out these songs. Like, when they said that, I was like, is that, is that far? Like, 30 minutes is nothing. Like, that's a quick drive. But, I don't know. But if 30 minutes is a long drive where you guys live, can you let me know on Twitter? Because I feel like there might have been a mistake in the subtitles. Like, maybe they meant an hour and a half and not just 30 minutes, but I'm not sure. So, if, like I said, if 30 minutes is, like, a long drive where you guys live, then please let me know. Like, let me also know where you live, because... I just find that interesting. Like I said, I drive 30 minutes to work every single day and it's not a problem at all. So yeah, I just thought that was, very, that was different. I don't want to say strange because strange is not like a friendly word, but it was definitely different, but it definitely caught me by surprise. Uh, something that I noticed that I really liked and I don't think it happens here in the US. I've never seen it and I think we should start doing it. But in the first episode when Kata arrives on scene, they have placed a small tent around the body. I don't know if it was because of the weather or so that people that gather in the press can't see those horrible shots of like a dead body that we see on the news and online all the time. Seeing the shots of a body laying on the ground covered in plastic is still traumatic, whether you see the body itself or just the plastic. So I really like the idea of covering it with the tent so that like nobody can see what's going on. It respects the body itself and it keeps those traumatic images off of our screens and like we don't have to see it another thing that stood out to me was that the forensic pathologist is from norway we saw this in the swedish show fallet when the medical examiner was from finland but it's still weird to me that they need to get a forensic pathologist from another country because they don't have one i guess like here in the u.s it'd be like if a small town asked a city but it's like the idea of like asking another country it just i don't know it just doesn't like click as like a normal thing for me so I probably will mention that every time it comes up the last thing that stood out to me and I'm sure it will stand out to every American that watches this show the police do not carry guns at all there is a scene where Kata has to call dispatch and ask for the code to a safe in the back of the car and confirm that a man's life is in danger before they give her the code like, she has to give all of her information, she has to tell them what's going on, she has to swear that someone's life is in danger before they give her the code in the back of her cruiser. 
Meanwhile, here in the U.S., we have militarized police walking the streets, shooting innocent people while allowing domestic terrorists walk around with AR-15s, and they don't just look the other way. They give them bottles of water and thank them for their help. The vast difference between policing in our country and other countries is mind-blowing. But if you guys do watch this show and anything culturally or anything that I missed stands out, then definitely let me know on Twitter or Instagram. Like I said, you can always email me. I, I probably did miss a lot of things, so definitely reach out and let me know. As far as words and phrases go, I was only able to pick up three words, and technically I already knew two of them. I am counting them because it is a new language, but I did know that I did know two of them. The first one is the one that I didn't know before, and it's bless, spelled B-L-E-S-S, bless, like bless you, and it's a way to say goodbye. It's not the only way to say goodbye, but according to what I saw online, it is the most common way, and you definitely hear them say it in the show, so again, bless. The other two are hallo, spelt H-A-L-L-O, the O has an accent over it, and it means hello. Hallo is how you say hello in like 13 different languages, at least 13, I think there's more than that. It might be spelt slightly different in some of them. Some are written in different scripts and some have one L or they have two. This one has two. Or they have an accent over the O or they don't have an accent over the O. But they are all basically pronounced the same. So I'm assuming this is going to pop up a lot. And I'm going to count it every single time. Because it's a new language. So again, hello means hello. The last is the word tak, spelt T-A-K-K. And if you listen to my episode about the Danish show Rita and episode 10, where I went over the Polish show The Crime, then tak will sound familiar. Tak in Iceland means thanks, the same as tak in Danish. Tak in Polish means yes, but tak in Icelandic is spelled with an extra K. So tak and tak in Icelandic and Danish mean the same thing, thanks. They are spelled different. Icelandic has an extra K, but they mean the same thing. Polish is spelt the same way as the Danish talk, but means yes, not thanks. Hopefully that wasn't too confusing. I think I confused myself. There was a lot of talk. But Icelandic talk, T-A-K-K, means thanks. But again, the three words are bless for goodbye, hallo for hello, and tak for thanks. Three pretty important words if you go to a different country, if you don't speak the language. Like I say, saying hello, goodbye, please, and thank you. Four most important phrases to learn when you go anywhere in the world. We know now three of them in Iceland, so all we need to learn how to say is please. So bless, hello, and tak. As far as familiar faces go, I didn't recognize any of the actors from this show. If you guys do recognize any of the actors when you watch this show, then let me know on Twitter. Or if you see the Instagram post, you can leave a comment on the post and let me know there as well. But that's all I have for you guys for the Valhalla murders. I thought this show was going to be like 100% Vikings when I started. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I thought the Valhalla murders were going to be Viking-based murders. Because Valhalla is the Nordic heaven is like the easiest way to describe it. I know there's probably gonna be someone out there that's gonna be like, no, it's not. But that's like the best way for people that don't know Norse 
to have them understand what Valhalla is. Valhalla is a great hall where you go when you die with all the people that you love and all of the gods and you party basically for eternity. And I thought it had something to do with that. If you listen to the Norseman show, then I, I don't know if I told you what Valhalla was there. Actually, now that I think about it, I don't think I did. Um, because I, there was a spoiler there that I didn't want to ruin it. That's right. But um, I guess there's no spoiler with this episode. So yeah, that's basically what Valhalla is. I thought it was going to be Viking based. It's not. I don't know what the future for this show brings. I know that at one point this show was trending in the US, so maybe some of you have seen the show, and if you have, let me know what you thought about it. Tweet me, email me, DM me. If you haven't seen it yet, I hope you give it a chance because it was really good, even if it had nothing to do with Vikings. It was really good. If you like crime shows, you will definitely like this show. I promise you, you will like this show. I don't know if there will be a second season. I hope so. These shows are usually always able to come up with a good second season. So as soon as I hear anything about whether the second season happens or not, I will let you guys know on Instagram as well as an updated episode somewhere along the line. I hope you guys gave the show a chance because it was really, really good. Like I said, I really, really liked it. If you guys watched the Finnish show Deadwind and liked that show, then you guys will definitely like this one. They're both Nordic Noirs. If you guys do give the show a chance, let me know what you thought about it on Twitter. You can email me. I'm going to keep saying it until someone actually does it. So email me, tweet me, DM me. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at OfficialHYSI. You can check out the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash OfficialHYSI. And like I said at the beginning, if you have show suggestions or feedback, you can email me at HaveYouSeenIt1, that's the number one, not spelt out, just one, at gmail.com. I hope you all have a wonderful day and a wonderful weekend. Next episode, I will be talking about the Singaporean dramatic horror mystic whispers have you seen it because i have